All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Wrestling Tonight. It's been a while, and we're back. <laughs> it has been too long. <laughs> it's been about a half a year. It has. It's been like eight months for me. Yeah, and I know everybody thinks that, uh, you know, you and I are like out partying and jet-setting from city to city, wine women's song every night. <laughs> But we have not even seen each other since the last podcast that we did together in December. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Face to face. Yeah. Because of all the, obviously, all the stuff going on in the world. But uh, anyway, joining me as always, the Norvell Austin to my Sputnik Monroe. I like it. <laughs> Brace Beamer. Yeah, yeah. Hitting you with so many rights, you're going to beg me for laughs. So, Brace, uh, before we get into today's topic, there's a few things that I want to mention. Um, a couple trivia things that I want to see if you can get. But, oh, uh, Jesus. But before we get into that, I want to You got a wrestling mention- question? <laughs> 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 oh, my God. That sounded exactly like that drop. That was like exactly like that drop <clears throat> that we used to play. Oh, yeah. On the pile driver. It was. That was perfect. <laughs> um, uh I, I just do want to mention the recent passing of a Detroit wrestling legend, but not only Detroit. I mean, there's a big name pretty much everywhere for a long time, and that is uh, the death of Killer Tim Brooks. Yeah. So uh, we just want to give our condolences for, for that. He had just gotten um, – they knew that he was going to go into the Wrestling Hall of Fame, not the WWE Hall of Fame, but the uh, – The Cauliflower the, the other, or the NWA one? Uh, yeah, one of those. And uh, so they were able to get him in early because they knew that he was having having issues. Oh, good. Uh, so he was a he was a hell of a performer. You know, we saw him, and he was kind of a little bit older when we first started seeing him. Yeah, which is you know it, it's you see that a lot when we we're growing up. You start to see all this wrestling, but he was big around here in the in the seventies. You yeah. know, a lot of people that were Detroit wrestling fans know of Killer Tim Brooks. And even into the early '80s, around here, he was he was a name. So, yeah, uh, I, I want to say it, that uh, we probably saw uh, most of his stuff in um, world class. Yeah, right. And then Dallas, Texas. And then later on, they brought him into international wrestling. Yeah, as uh, the brother of Bruiser Brody, uh, Buster Brody, <laughs> uh, because. Uh, <clears throat> Because Abdullah was in there as a babyface champion, and Brody was leaving, yeah. So they they kind of brought him in just uh, so we saw a little bit of that. But and uh, that was good that he changed his gimmick. I didn't like it, but you know, in in retrospect, he was killer Tim Brooks. Yeah, you know, and he hadn't been up in Montreal for quite a bit of time. Yeah. So bringing I, him in, I, is I didn't I didn't mind it. I mean, I thought it was okay. I mean, yeah. it was the old escaped from the uh, lunatic asylum type <laughs> yeah. thing. Quite a few years. I mean, that, that had already been a thing in wrestling, but it was quite a few years before Norman the Lunatic uh, did it. 
in uh, WCW. Yeah, or Rough House Fargo. kind of the same thing. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was probably more based on Rough House Fargo than, yeah. than anything. But uh, all right, so um, just just to test your knowledge, and, and I believe me, I, you're probably not going to get these, but uh, just – is that a challenge? Just in case. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll, we'll see, but it's not, uh, I mean, I'm not a big date guy as far as wrestling goes. I don't yeah, me think, neither. I don't think you are either. But uh, on this date in 1996, I'll even give you this. At the WCW Bash at the Beach pay-per-view, what significant event took place? 96 Bash at the Beach. Oh, jeez. Uh Oh, is that uh, Hogan turning bad? You got it. Huh. Hulk Hogan joining the NWO. Because <laughs> I knew it was a bash at the beach, and I was, you know. Yeah. But you get the year so screwed up. Right. Between, you know, those four or five years there. Yeah, exactly. Good job. Thanks. And also on this date in 1990 at the Great American Bash pay-per-view, what uh, significant event? 1990 place? Great American Bash. Oh, boy. The clock is ticking. 1990 Great American Bash. Was that when Flair returned and beat Vader? Uh, no, but that was actually the WCW debut of Vader, uh, I, I believe. Okay. But, uh, All right, I give. Uh, I would only be guessing, you Sting, know. That was actually Sting's first t- world title win over Flair. Was it? It was. On this date. Both, I thought Sting, but I couldn't replace him with anything yeah. special. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, <laughs> as everyone knows, well, I mean, a lot of people might not know this, but Sting was obviously destined or supposed to win the title before that, but he had uh, jumped up on the cage in that cage match. and Oh, with Funk and his, Muda and all those guys? I think it was – I think that cage match – was it them? Was I don't know if Funk was in it or not. It was like Muda, Buzz Sawyer, I think. Yeah, yeah, and you're the right. Dragon Man. And he tried to climb up. And... I think I could be wrong. I don't remember exactly what. But you're either, probably either, right. Either way, he like shattered his knee, and then he rehabbed it, and then so then finally that was that was the result. Sting finally beats Flair uh, in 1990 at the Great American Bash for I his first to, world title. I defer to Mad Dog Butch for everything 90s in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not, uh, well, I, maybe up to a certain point, but I, you know, Monday Night Wars, then it just got all uh, confused. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so today's topic is the top wrestling feuds. We've each compiled a top 10 list. Uh, again, I don't know how you did it. I didn't give you really any, any instruction or anything because, you know, either way, how you want to do it. But, I always do mine as my favorite feuds. Um, I will say this, that there are some top feuds that I didn't get a chance to see a whole lot of till later. Yeah, right. So, so I didn't include those in my list. I only included the ones that were, were going on when oh, I was okay. a wrestling fan. I, like I said, however you want to do it. I did fine. favorites, too, except my okay. favorite. It was spelled with a U, like Canada A. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I have a couple that I discovered afterward. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but most of so, them are... You know, time frame specific. Okay. And I saw him. All right. Uh, well, I will start off with my number 10. And the reason why I put this on there on, on my list is because it's, to me, it was reminiscent of a feud that is ranks a lot higher to me that happened quite a few years before that. 
and it is uh, Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka. <laughs> <clears throat> because. I didn't even think about that one. These guys, just every time these guys would have a match, and, and for a while they're, they're really they're the only ones that wrestled each other in ECW. Like, yeah. for a long time they were married to each other. It, you know, it was almost like an a, attraction to have these guys wrestle each other. And then later on, Mike Awesome went on to win the title. And I think Tanaka might have beat him. For, I, I don't remember. Yeah, I think he did. I think you're right. For a short time. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, these guys just had great matches. I, I remember the very first one that I saw, and I don't remember which which uh, event that it was. It was one of the big uh, – I think it was before they were actually on pay-per-view. But, however, they did their big events that time. And I remember seeing the match. And uh, I think – I don't remember who – I think it was Tanaka actually reversed it and gave uh, Awesome the power bomb outside of the ring <laughs> over the – and he didn't quite get him, and Awesome just went right – like down. Oh, when he threw like him he, over the rope? Yeah. Down into a... What, yeah, because that's what Awesome used to do to Tanaka all the time. But in this particular match, uh, you know, Awesome went to do it, and he reversed it, and then and then Tanaka did it to Awesome. And he just, like, boom, dropped him right through the table. Like, it looked like right right on his head. But anyway... <laughs> yeah, those guys were crazy, weren't they? Like, all those chair shots? Oh, yeah. Holy they, smoke. Yeah, Tanaka used to just take those unprotected chair shots right in the head. Yeah, and if anybody uh, saw the... Mick Foley or Mankind and Rock Match, where they had all those chair shots when he was uh, when he was handcuffed. Yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, that pales in comparison to to what the uh, yeah Mike Awesome and uh, yeah. Tanaka were. Doing. But the matches were good too. I mean, you know, they didn't necessarily need to do all that. Yeah, stuff. right. And, that's and they what still could have had a me off good match. But guys. well, yeah. You know? Well, I mean, it was just the state of ECW at that sure. at that time. Yeah, you know, they had kind of gotten away from. It just everything needed to be quote hardcore at that time, but anyway, um, any thoughts on that besides what you've already said? You know that was one of the um, that was one of the the feuds like bigger feuds that lasted like on the indie scene. I'll call ECW like the indie scene for yeah a, a couple years, and then it came from Japan as well. So, I mean, that thing probably went like five years, didn't it? Four or five um, years, like overall, yeah. And then between they, ECW <laughs> and overseas and wherever else, didn't they do a match in like WCW too? Not in WCW, but they well when they did the well, I don't think so. But when they uh, when they did the the ECW one night stands in WWE, they had uh, they maybe had, that's they that's probably back, what I'm thinking. They brought them back for that, and I'm assuming that they. I don't know. If, I, honestly, I don't remember if their feud started in FMW. I'm guessing it did. Because Mike Mike Awesome was, I, I was think the gladiator there. I think it there. came from there. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's why they even brought him over. Huh. So uh, cool. Anyway, uh, what is your number ten feud of all time? Before I get to number ten, I don't know if anybody if anybody can see at home, but we have this little spittle block between us, which is pretty sweet. It's well machined. I just wanted to bring that up. It's. I don't uh, know if they can see. Well, yeah, and that one that one shot. That I want to say you sank my battleship, but, but you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, number ten. Uh, this is one of those that I saw afterwards because I only saw like the very end, or it was only mentioned when we started watching this. Uh, the Rougeau brothers, Jacques and Raymond, against Ronnie and Jimmy Garvin. Ron Garvin, one of your favorites. Yes. Uh, and 
Precious managed Jimmy and Ronnie Garvin. Mm -hmm. This was, I think I've seen three or four matches from this, mm -hmm. and they, they didn't have a whole lot. I mean, they ran their their territory with it. It was like a three-month feud maybe. Okay. Fantastic. I almost had this higher, but I just almost okay. couldn't because. Yeah. Uh, that was, this was from International Wrestling in Montreal. You've heard us talk about this group uh, <laughs> over and over again. <clears throat> And they had they had the matches and the, the way the matches were set up, like the first match that you saw on TV was the Rougeos, the hometown heroes. They were big in Montreal. It, it, they were almost oh, they were like, huge. yeah, their dad was like a Hulk Hogan of Montreal. And then the sons came along. It was almost like the Von Erich deal in Texas. Or the hearts of yeah. like Calgary. Yeah, yeah, same deal. Um, or the Armstrong Stones. <laughs> right. <laughs> but But these guys were over. They were big. And then they just got their butt handed to them by the Garvins. Like, yeah. just one of the best beatdowns, one of the most well-worked matches that I've seen, like, starting a feud off. It was great. They sold out the Montreal Forum, and that's a big building. You know, that's like 20000 Yeah. You know, because they use that for hockey in Montreal. Yeah. The old Forum, it isn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. Going down to the last match, that was great. I mean, it, there was like a near riot in that first match. It was awesome. Yeah. Did you see the? Um, you saw those, I've seen. You? I don't know if I've seen them all, but I know that I've seen some because I have a video. Uh, I at least have a video that they put out. Um, was it Veracic Promotions? Yeah. Oh, so you probably got the blow off from the forum. I think so. One. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the other final match, well but, worth. I mean, okay. if you watch them in order, like I got goosebumps watching the first one. It was so. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, it's. it's it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, I, I mean, I did like what I saw. It was there. Was there blood in the uh, in the blow off? I don't think. I don't think so. Okay. Not not that I remember in the blow off, but there was before that. Okay. So at the time when we started watching international, obviously they had a or right around this time, and then even when we watched it, they had a working relationship with the NWA. Yeah. Because the World Warriors came in there later yeah a lot or, of guys or maybe did. around that same time and then after that then they kind of had a working relationship with uh Portland, well that was Portland. road warriors were in there from awa wasn't Are that you sure? no i think they were already in nwa at that, okay at that point yeah it might have been but then but then after that then they worked with uh puerto rico and that's how they got brody and abdullah and all those hercules aiella yeah um jason and, and terrible David schultz too <laughs> dr d yeah that was like one of his last rides but yeah if anybody <laughs> Uh, wants to check it out. De definitely check out some international wrestling. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, a as a promotion, it's it's really a little known promotion here. Yeah, I mean, you, no one ever really talks about it, but uh, you know, there there was just some fantastic stuff in there, and, and guys started out in there. I believe Vampiro started out in there. Yeah. Um, Rikishi started out in there. Um, Toshiaki Kawada started out, or at least you know when he was first starting out. Yeah, went through there. There's so many guys that like came through there. Yeah, a lot starting of, out. Uh, Lafon, Ron Ritchie. Right. I mean, yeah. just a whole, but a lot of them wound up yeah. in Japan too, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them great territory. Sheik Ali. I don't know if he ever went anywhere, but he was, you know, one I of just the, looked him up recently and now uh, he didn't, he, he didn't go like anywhere six, else. Five, but... had the best drop kick. He might've had the best drop kick standing drop kick that I've ever seen. Yeah. Probably better than Kerry Von Eriks, which is like hard to do. Yeah. I watched a match with him and uh, Martel and it was fantastic. Yeah. And I, cause uh, that's why I looked him up. Cause I was thinking, how did this guy not go on to do something else? Yeah. Because he was a good worker and a, a, he was great. a big, intimidating-looking dude. Yeah. And, I mean, they could have done something with him. I mean, you know, looks-wise, he didn't really look like anything spectacular. I mean, 
he didn't look like anything unique. I, you know, nothing really stood out about him. Yeah. Uh, but but he was a big SOB. But they could have done something with him. Oh yeah. You know, they yeah. could have changed his gimmick up. Yeah, easily. maybe he got out of it because that always like even at the time it was like man. Yeah, I, he, yeah, he's not long for this international like, world. Right. Turns out, I don't, you know. Yeah, and he was getting a big push in there too. I think he wound at up. That point. He may have went wound up going to Japan, but don't quote me have. on that. Yeah, he might have, but yeah, he wasn't. After what we saw from what I read, he wasn't around much long. After, yeah. Okay. After that. Uh, all right. So uh, my number nine, <clears throat> and again, I didn't get a chance to see. A whole lot of the initial matches between these guys. But then later on, they had just amazing matches. Um, uh, uh, just one of the most classic series of matches. And uh, um, I'll just say, it's uh, Steamboat and Ric Flair. Oh, yeah. Ricky Steamboat. Um, they did make my list, too. Okay. So, yeah, the Flair was tough because there were so many different. I had Flair versus a bunch of different guys, but. Um, but I had to put this at least at my number nine. And uh, the, you know, Steamboat is another guy, and I, I think I've mentioned this before. I think because his career ended before, let's say, we got into the Monday Night War era, even though he came back later and still looked great. Yeah, uh, yeah. Way later. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, way later. He, but he still looked fantastic. Um, but I think because of that, he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves Yeah, from, you know, more of the – more of the modern fans, but uh, you know, specifically in WCW, when they bring Steamboat in, uh, they have the little feud with Flair. Basically, it's Ric Flair, the uh, the partying uh, womanizer against Ricky Steamboat, the family man with yeah. the kid, and you know he brought his kid. And although that didn't work, <clears throat> uh, they thought that that was going to be over, but the fans still cheered for I don't Flair. think they thought that was going to be over. That's just what he wanted to do, so they let him do it. I mean, not that Ricky wasn't over. I right. mean, I think those matches were just over with people. No, him bringing it, as sad as it is, him bringing his wife and everything down to the ringside with him kind of killed it. Yeah. You know? So. Especially for the for the females in attendance. They don't want to, you know. <laughs> they, go, they go to see a guy wrestle, and they got posters of him and everything. They don't want to see him bringing his wife out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, yeah, I mean, that goes against, like, <laughs> at, at the time, I mean, they were kind of getting away from it at that point. But that kind of goes against the whole baby face yeah. uh, persona. Yeah. Like, uh, And it was fine, but I remember seeing it and just going, God, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But Let's get down bes- to besides all that, the matches themselves oh. were just great. Yeah. Uh, Phenomenal. So after... So, um, you know, I, I can't remember how it went. I think Steamboat beats Flair. Then they have another one that's a draw. Then they have the other one that Flair wins the title back, which leads to the Funk-Flair feud and Flair turning into a babyface. But either way, and then Steamboat just kind of went, went. I mean, he was still, like, upper mid-card. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think they gave him, like, the TV title and the tag team championships and stuff like that. But he but was, I mean, he was still, like, in good feuds, though. I mean, I don't think they really, like, pushed him down. And, like, he was a tag team champ. He did the whole thing with, like, Dustin Rhodes against, Oh yeah, was it, like, Austin and Pillman? Oh, no, and, that's what I mean. I mean, he was always upper mid-card. Yeah. But, but he never really got back in the title picture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I th- okay, so right after that, he feuded with Luger yeah, for the U.S. title. Right. And, uh, and then after that, he kind of dropped down, dropped down, dropped down, and then he got injured in a match with stunning Steve Austin, 
as a matter of fact. <laughs> I forgot and about that. that. Yeah, and then you know, pretty much his career was over. Besides that, that feud that he had with Jericho years. And yeah, and later. I think that's when uh, George Scott came back and helped with the booking. I think it was because when right he went to WWF, he took Steamboat. He took a bunch of those Mid Atlantic people. People yeah. kind of forget about that. Right, you know this guy right here too. Yeah, he, he, he brought him in. Iron Sheep. He brought him in, not realizing that he couldn't work anymore. Yeah, because he he was like too beat up. Yeah, and so like they were initially going to try to give him a push, and then the very first pay per view, he wrestles Sting and pretty much gets squashed in yeah a few in a few minutes. Well, that's a sweet um, Iron but, Sheik shirt. Yeah, thank you. And he yeah. almost he almost made my top ten list against uh, Slaughter. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that one. The yeah. boot camp match and all that. Yeah, he was. He's on my honorable mentions. He was holding on to number ten, him and Slaughter for a while. All right, let's. Uh, so, what is your number nine? My number nine is uh, Bullet Bob Armstrong <laughs> against the Flame, aka Assassin Number One Jody Hamilton. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you notice how whenever anybody says Assassin Number One, they have to say Jody Hamilton <laughs> right after it. Yes. Yeah. And this is one of those that. Um, that I more got into later. Okay. You know, because when it first started coming on TV around our parts, there was some of it there, yeah. but not. And this was in uh, uh, CWF, Continental Wrestling Federation. And these guys feuded as Bob Armstrong versus the Assassin in the 70s Okay. as well. And then they had the loser leave town like they do, and then he comes back. You know, he, but he, when he comes back, he's the flame, a different right. person, you know, and it yeah. just stuck. That was like 85, 86 era, you know, that, that I was, that yeah. I saw this stuff in great blood. Um, if you get a chance, look at, <laughs> go out on the internet on YouTube and look at the flame interview threatens to kill Bob Armstrong. <laughs> I have, I have seen that. Oh man. Uh, it was great. Yeah. That, that was a great interview. And it, um, <laughs> as far as the matches go though, I can't. I can't remember if I ever saw any of their actual matches or not. They were just like blood brawls. Okay. And right. they were, I mean, th- this was like Southern wrestling at its, maybe not at its finest, but mm-hmm. it's Bullet Bob Armstrong, you know, yeah. and it's Jody Hamilton. Right. And just the interviews and the heat. I mean, it's on mine just because of the heat, really. Okay. Because they just don't do the heat, you know. <laughs> heat meaning getting the fans all ticked off. Right. You know, now it's all a comedy, a joke. You know, can we send them home with a half grin on their face and they're happy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So number nine, uh, Bob the Bullet Armstrong, who just retired from wrestling a couple months ago. And his wife just passed. So condolences to the uh, Armstrong family. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, really? He, I, th- I, th- I didn't realize that he had just retired. Yeah, his last okay. match was within the last... It was just before everything got shut down, like okay. within a few months of that. Yeah, he was wrestled until he was 81, and he wow. wrestled almost every weekend, yeah. kind of like Lawler, you know? Yeah, and Lawler is still wrestling uh, in, in Memphis. And he yeah. looks good. Yeah, no, he looks he like pretty he much made, looks exactly the same. He made Dusty Rhodes look, you know, passable in that little feud they had, and, you know, yeah. in like 2013, 14, right. 10 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so number nine, uh, Bullet Bob Armstrong against the Flame. Okay, yeah, I'm not familiar enough with that to even comment on it. But but you know the guys, though. Another, I do know that, and I did see that interview. And I may have seen the matches. If I did, I don't remember. But, um, I mean, nothing sticks out 
in my head right now if if I had seen it. But that's another promotion that if people aren't familiar with, check it out. I mean, it, there was so many different eras of Continental. There was different yeah. uh, bookers. Eddie Gilbert and Paul Heyman even booked it at one point. That's like when I watched it. Um, I think I had seen a little bit of it before that. But uh, well, pro wrestling this week used to feature it a lot. Yeah. So we'd see a lot of it on there. And then and then it actually started airing in our area, like during the Gilbert Heyman yeah. era. So, um, so yeah, definitely check it out. Either way, every era is good in its own way. Yeah, and go back to Southeastern Wrestling before it turned and into that Continental. And that too, right, yeah. And yeah, the best, for yeah. my money anyway. Yeah. All right, my uh, number eight is uh, one of, well, I okay, I'll just say it. it's It's uh, Heart Foundation versus the British Bulldogs. So when I first started watching wrestling, I was like a huge British Bulldogs fan. Um, the, the heart foundation, I didn't see until after, uh, but then they kind of became my favorites, but I still like the bulldogs, uh, at, at that time, as far as WWF went, they, as far as I was concerned, they were having the best matches on the cards probably yeah. or, or the TV shows or whatever. Primetime wrestling, they'd show them quite a bit yeah. uh, against each other. And that's how I, how I saw them. Uh, but they were doing stuff that nobody else was doing at the time. Um, you know, it, it was still like a different, uh, a, a different style than like the tag team wrestling and say NWA or anything like yeah. that. But as far as WWF went, it was just, uh, you know, the stuff they were doing was just, uh, you know, so far ahead of like what everybody else was, yeah, they, was, they was, were doing, was doing in there. Everybody else was style. Yeah. You know? Right. Which I mean, you know, just if if you're familiar with their careers, they they came up through the different different areas, uh, and they were they were all besides Anvil, they were all kind of smaller guys, so they had to work more of that style, yeah. to uh, you know to make their way. Although you know at, at that time, even though they were shorter, the Bulldogs were so jacked up at that point. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was it was crazy. But but either way, they just did uh, you know. A ton of the tag team moves that, uh, you know, that were more like innovative. Uh, both both teams, but more so the Bulldogs, I would say in yeah. the in the beginning. But uh, anyway, so that is my number eight. Uh, your thoughts on that feud? You know what? I mean, two of the two of the best tag teams. You know, especially you know, for my money, the Bulldogs. Well, even the Hearts. Just two great like tag teams going at it, and I wish that the only. The only thing I wish is that would have been in like one of the NWA territories that so you could have got some real heat with that, you know? Right. Because it was it was more just great wrestling exp- exp- exhibitions. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I, I don't know how else to word it, but they yeah. had, you know, their style was different. It was, you know, for a different audience compared to the clod hopping WWF style, you know? <laughs> like, right. That's what it, it that's was what like, I mean. oh man, it's great that this stuff's on. Look at this. Yeah. Yeah, like like for you know, I, and I don't remember. You know, I I think maybe at that period I was maybe just watching WWF. So, so those matches were just, you know, so so far more like advanced what everybody else was doing. Oh, because yeah. let's face it, a lot of guys. Let, let's take like Junkyard Dog for example, going from mid south, changes his style up in WWF. Yeah, well, he had to. He got too gets, big. Right. You know. So I mean, it almost looks like they're taking it easy. A lot of those guys were taking it easy, 
these guys were working their butts off <laughs> to, you know, just just to to make it. Yeah, Dynamite Kid <laughs> paid like, for it, didn't he? He did. <laughs> he definitely did. But um, yeah, great matches. I just want to. I like a little heat sprinkled onto my. Uh, right, and that's why I mentioned that, that it was different than what the NWA was doing as far as their tag team yeah. uh, feuds or, or mid south or whatever. But but still, it was just yeah, like like you said, it was almost just like a wrestling clinic being put on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're sweet. Both of those teams are phenomenal. I know I've used that word twice, so I'm going to come up with different ones. <laughs> I didn't notice passing it out like Halloween know. candy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what would be your number, or where are you at, number, number eight? Number eight. Okay. The Fabulous Freebirds versus the Von Erics. This happened mostly in world-class championship wrestling, Dallas, Texas. We talked about them before, earlier. Mm-hmm. And Mid-South Wrestling had a few of their matches because they kind of had a little partnership deal. Mm-hmm. That was 82, and that lasted till 86, you know, not counting, like, the Blackbirds and any of the other offshoots. Right, or, yeah. You know. Buddy and Terry turning on Michael, mm-hmm. you know, none of that. And then one of my favorite matches of all time is a six-man match. It's out there on YouTube. There are, like, two different versions of it. The quality is not very great, but it doesn't matter. It was in 1983 at the Carrot County Convention Center in Texas. <laughs> and that place was, like, 11, 12,000 people just packed in there going nuts. And it was like a good match. They just beat the tar out of each other, you know, because those right. rings were so hard. Yeah, but they did a good job, man. So that so that's almost a to to contrast the Bulldogs. Yeah, uh, Heart Foundation feud. A different this, style. This is almost all heat. Yeah, and and not a whole lot of technical wrestling. Right. And uh, but but yeah, I did. I put this as an honorable mention just because I saw more of it later. But, uh, but yeah, definitely, I mean, if you talk about feuds and anybody knows what they're talking about as far as wrestling goes, this has to get mentioned one, yeah. one way or the other. I don't have it in my top 10, but, but it would have been 11 or 12. Yeah. For sure. I and, mean, just the heat that it generated. I mean, I mean, you could get heat on the Von Erics easily, no matter what. Yeah. But this took it to just a whole nother level. I know. And this really made... The Freebirds for the rest of their careers. Yeah, I mean, I they mean, were really. they had a huge name from Georgia coming in. Yeah. But they were able to live off of this feud for, Jesus. I mean, the rest of their rest right. of their career. Yeah. And just like the matches that they had, if you watch, if you'll take, you know, one of the Von Erics and put him in a just a regular match against some mid-card guy, you might, except for David Von Erich, you know, you, you just might look at him and go, eh, well, how can those three together against the Freebirds be anything good? Mm-hmm. You know, but it was like magic. <laughs> yeah. When they clashed, I mean, they had the, like the whipping matches. They got Fritz <laughs> out of retirement. Right. Beat the crap out of each other. And it wasn't just, you know, aha, look at them beating each other up. You know, how no. kind of the fans are. It oh. was like, like the, it was just laid out like perfect. And they didn't yeah. plan it all in the back. They just had a general idea. But everything like that, feud built, 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 built. They made a ton of money off it. It was great. Yeah. And the crowd's just oh, went awesome. crazy. Yeah. And I don't care what anybody says. It, it was just a t- totally different crowd reaction than what you get. I mean, yeah, the, I mean, the crowds can get into stuff now, but it's not. Not even close. Nothing compares to, yeah, the crowd to the would stuff cry. Like back then. They would cry when their oh, hero yeah. got you know, carted out on a stretcher. Yeah, <laughs> not everybody, exactly. but, you know, you had you know, some in the crowd that would, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. 
so that was that was my uh, number eight. Okay, yeah, I definitely agree that belongs in somebody's top ten. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, you know, like I said, it was right there. If I would have seen it when it was going on, I'm sure it would have made it. And you know how I feel about the Von Erichs, but yeah. but which, if anybody doesn't know, I don't feel good about them. <laughs> but I even have to give them credit. Oh yeah, for for that. Uh, Heck yeah. That and, well, I don't want to say anything. You might have the other. I don't. It's in my honorable mention. I was just going to bring it up. Okay, the dynamic duo. Right. Chris (laughs) Adams. That's why I didn't say it. I thought it might be on your list. Uh, No, I think I I have Adams and Kevin on as honorable mentions. But, yeah, yeah, even the dynamic duo and and the Von Erics. Yeah, they did some great stuff. They did. Okay, so uh, my number seven is, and, and if you really think about it, this feud didn't really last all that long, although it got reignited again years later again. But it is, and one of the reasons why I started watching wrestling in the beginning, uh, number seven, Hulk Hogan versus Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Yeah. <laughs> so there was, uh, you know, there there was heat more so... Uh, probably as far as WWF goes, uh, of the type of heat that you're talking about as far as this feud goes. Yeah. Because Piper was just such an awesome bad guy. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> I, I mean, not, you know, not to, not to, to give Piper all the credit. I mean, Hogan was just, you know, extremely over and as well. And, you know, but, uh, but, so the story goes that Piper did not want to lose to Hogan, and I can't really blame him. Uh, and and who knows if that's what the – I mean, it kind of sounds like that's what the plan is. Otherwise, I think this feud would have gone on longer. But Piper was like, you know, he, he kind of figured that that would kill him off right, yeah. off right off the bat. And he's probably right. Um, but this got but, – but still, I mean, you know – for the for the matches that they did have, I mean, you had the war to settle the score. Yeah, that, that was kind of set was big time. Right, they kind of set the tone. You had WrestleMania one, the lead up to that and everything, and then then after that, their feud kind of kind of tapered off. Yeah, and well, even the the one with uh, the T, Mister T, and Piper boxing. Yeah, was that which one? That was, was that? WrestleMania two. Okay, and that was still like an offshoot. That was still part of that. That feud, was still an offshoot, but. Yeah. Uh, so was the Snooka Piper feud in between that then? No, it was before it. Was that before that? Yeah. Man, it seems like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Piper had been in there already doing all of the okay. crap on Piper's pit. Yeah. You know, okay. all of that before before WrestleMania. Okay. And it yeah, wasn't long, to, but, you know, you're get, watching it every single week. Yeah. And the timelines get, get, all these get pits jum- jumbled up. But, yeah. Uh, and like I said, so then they continue it years later. 95, 96, whenever when Hogan turns heel in WCW and uh, they continue it, Piper gets a couple clean victories over Hogan, uh, but doesn't get the title for whatever reason. But um, that's definitely so they did continue it later on, and and you know it it, it still had some nostalgic heat. Yeah, then <laughs> I mean it, it had it had more than nostalgic heat. I mean people got into that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah it did. I mean. Yeah, I, I mean they they did get into that, and I think people were just happy that Piper Piper got clean victories over over Hulk. Yeah, with the sleeper hold. <laughs> yeah, 
That's awesome. I mean, definitely that feud deserves to be on a list. It didn't make mine. Okay. And, but, um, I mean, I really didn't, I didn't think of that one, honestly. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean. I mean, honestly, when you, I, you once, could have. <laughs> once I looked at my list, I was kind of surprised at what I did actually pick when everything was said and done. Yeah, me too. Because I was kind of thinking about stuff that, you know, after you've watched it for so long and all the different promotions and everything, you didn't really pop for stuff. You didn't really get excited about stuff too much. But, you know, that, that, that's kind of how I compiled yeah. compiled my list. And that was huge. Stuff that I could still look forward to, you know, when, when it was on. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so that was mine. What is your number seven? Number seven is your number nine, the Flare and Steamboat. Okay. Yeah, same deal. Mid Atlantic, Jim Crockett Promotions, WCW. They had all those matches in the in the seventies that, you know, there's no tape of. I have a couple like chunks of matches from them in the seventies, but you know, I mean that those two could those two could probably go out in with a couple months even at their age. Oh yeah, and it gives something no at least entertaining. I have no doubt. Yeah, they could still do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'll I'll just I'll leave it at that. That was my number seven. Like those best of three title changes in '89 were, I mean, yeah. just so yeah. long after they had already quote had their feud yeah. peak, and then there it was again. You know? Yeah, and I, I will say this: Flair has gone on record to say that Steamboat is the best opponent that he's ever had. Yeah, and th- and that those are the best matches that he ever had against against yeah. Rick. A lot of people say that about Steamboat. Yeah, you know, and Flair right. too, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, and people would ask who, well, they would ask Rick who the greatest of all time was, and he, he would say Steamboat. It would be Steamboat if Steamboat ever were teal. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's still Flair, <laughs> according to Flair. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, a lot of wrestlers, a lot of fans agree that uh, Steamboat should be up there. And one good thing about those, those uh, that best of three, if you will, and, 1989 time frame WCW was those matches were all like kind of different. Yeah, they were, but still they presented as stuff. like old school wrestling matches, you know? Yeah. That's probably the last like big, huge, you know, like national wrestling. feud. Yeah. Like, like that. Yeah. I mean, those, that were, that were wrestling right. centered yeah. on the matches. I, I mean, not, yeah, they, they just made such a big deal about those matches. And, I mean, they lived up to it, though. Yeah. They lived up to the hype. Yeah. They, uh, and I remember thinking of that, like, when going into that. I'm like, well, Steamboat hasn't been around in a couple of years. People yeah. in the southeastern, you know, in the Midwest really haven't seen Steamboat in a while, so we'll see what happens. Right. You know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Good stuff. So uh, kind of an offshoot of that. Uh, that I mentioned earlier, my number six, uh, your number seven leads into my number six, which <laughs> is Ric Flair versus Terry Funk. Nice. And another one that was shorter lived than I think that they originally wanted. Um, there's different rumors why I kind of, and, and those rumors have kind of got, uh, well, I I don't want to say quashed because, but I I just think bygones are are, are bygones now because because so much time has passed. But um, 
but it kind of sounded like Flair, Flair's ego got in the way a little bit because a lot of people said that when Flair was off because, well, the beginning of the feud, like, like we said, uh, at the end of the last Flair steamboat match, Funk is, is there as one of the, one of the, uh, not referees, judges, uh, judges, right. Uh, in case it goes to a draw, then you have yeah, a panel of judges to decide right. the winner. So Funk goes in after the match, challenges Flair to a match. Flair blows him off. Funk says he's just kidding. <laughs> then Funk <laughs> then Funk attacks Flair, pile drives him on a table. So Flair's gone for a little while, and Funk is cutting all these promos. So one of the rumors is that Flair got upset because of some of the stuff that Funk was saying. Nah. Uh <laughs> Particularly one of them where he called him, like, he kept calling him Banana Nose and uh, Horse Tooth and uh, a couple other things. And then uh, and then another part of it is or, somebody got upset because they did the angle where, uh, so Flair must have been back at this. Oh, and then didn't Funk, like, break his arm during that period, too, or yeah. something? So still during the buildup. Funk comes in and wraps the plastic bag around Flair's head, chokes with the plastic bag. That was bag. great. I can't <laughs> believe they did Somebody gets upset. So WCW, I'm assuming the powers that be, got upset about that. So, I mean, who knows? The rumor is that the feud got cut shorter than it was originally intended to be. But either way, the buildup, every little thing that they did in that, I loved Funk's interviews. Um, it was kind of cool to see Flair be the babyface in there. And uh, the matches were good, too. Yeah. Uh, the match that gets all the credit, though, is the I Quit match. And the, the other match that they had before that where Muda got involved. I think it might have been a Great American Bash. I don't know. But Muda and Sting and all those guys yeah. get involved. I think that match was better than the blow-off. But, uh, but anyway, that's my number six. You know, the, the, one of the best – I think the, what I like best about that feud was that Funk – I mean, he told it like it was real. I mean, it was. He was, like, middle-aged. He was coming back. He wanted back in the limelight. You know, and they just made an angle out of it. Right. And it was so, it just came across, like, so real at first. At first, like, I'm watching it thinking, okay, he's acting, like, a little too crazy. <laughs> you know, like, it was a little too much over the top, but it's Terry Funk, right? Yeah. But, man, like, after, like, a couple interviews, you're just like, yeah, I'm into it now. Yeah. And it did, and it did stink that they like cut it short. Yeah, like that. It seemed like that could have been a feud that that went on, and there are all different types of reasons why it got cut short. But yeah, you know, probably the bag over the head and having two <laughs> older looking guys really didn't right. You know, sit well with what they were trying to do there. So right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was part of the deal too that I forgot to mention. So, so Funk comes in, Flair. The whole thing is like. Flair's not going to give him a title shot because he's not part of the top ten. Yeah. So so Funk has to go through all these other guys to get his place in the top ten. So I I was really only familiar with Funk from his WWF uh, run, which I didn't appreciate him in there at all in that time. I just I didn't get it. <laughs> I, I wasn't. I mean, I know that he had been a former NWA champion, but I just didn't get why they're giving this guy, you know, a, a decent push. A good um, one. He but, had he had the dog. He had yeah yeah. So when he's in, but when he when he's in WCW, you know he he had like shed a bunch of weight. He was in great shape. He was doing a bunch of stuff, wrestling stuff that I hadn't seen him do. I mean, he was doing like 
sunset flips off the top rope. Yeah. And uh, and then he and then he was winning with the 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 running pile driver, which in WWF he was winning with the sleeper, which at that time it was a boring hold. Yeah. In my opinion, I mean, so many other people had used it up until that point. Well, he but, couldn't do the pile anyway. driver. You know, they probably had was Orndorff in there at the yeah, time. Yeah, Orndorff was in it, so that's why he didn't. Yeah. But, but yeah, so like, so I was like, wow, you know, I, I I like instantly became a Terry Funk fan, you know, when when he like came in there and did that. Yeah, he was he was awesome, and he's like you know him flying. He's one of the best that I've seen out of anybody. There's like a handful that can just go out of get thrown out, get punched out, get knocked out of the ring in so many different ways. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll, I'll watch match. Jerry Lawler's another one. And I'll see, like, Funk against Wrestler A. And then he'll get he'll get boomed and flip out of the ring. You're like, how the hell did he do that? Yeah. You know, you, like, try and rewind it, which is <laughs> tough with, all, you know, how they have it nowadays. And you got to try and slow motion it and stop it just to see how he do it, man. He was great. Yeah, I, I will say this. Going back and watching his stuff in WWF, I can appreciate it. And and he was doing that stuff. He was still going out of the ring. But yeah. I was just like, why are they giving this old guy yeah. this this push? And then and know? then Dory and, Funk comes in, who right, looks even who's even older. Yeah, and, and, and you're just seeing all the like the chiseled bodies and like the right. you know the different look. And then here are these guys from the '70s. There, yeah. You know? So it didn't make sense to me at that time. But I had just started watching it at yeah. that point too. But um, okay, so what what uh, do you have for your number six? Number six, uh, Tracy Smothers versus Dirty White Boy, Tony Anthony. Nice. Yeah, and this was in, um, these are a couple of the uh, southern guys that a lot of people up here haven't seen. Well, they're probably uh, more familiar uh, with Tony Anthony as T.L. Hopper. I don't even know if he was around long enough for that, was he? Was he like a year maybe? As T.L. Hopper? Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if it was that long. But this was a, these guys are just. Oh, and. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no problem. And and Smothers was Freddie Joe Floyd. Oh yeah, it, I forgot about that. Yeah, he he had a little bigger name in there than uh, T.L. Hopper. Yeah, if, he did. Yeah, yeah, he got right. a couple of decent victories right off the bat. And then, yeah. It, well, wasn't he part with one of the Armstrongs for that the, was in uh, WCW? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tracy Smothers, Dirty White Boy, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and you can find this stuff on the internet too. I was like, like the get people to go out and look at some of this old stuff, you know? Right. And that was like 93 to 95, but they did, I mean, they had blood. And it was weird when I was putting my, like, list together, I really didn't think of blood that much, you know? Mm -hmm. And I kind of got it, and it was in the back of my mind, you know, and I got it, man, these guys, like, bled well. They did the thing where they burned the rebel flag. Dirty white boy Tony Anthony, southern guy, says he moves to New York, starts wearing a Yankees hat. He's got his (laughs) manager, Ron Wright. (laughs) <laughs> who I've never seen it. You only hear about is Ron I Wright. Forgot, I totally absolutely forgot that, awesome. I totally forgot that Ron Wright was was part of that. One of the best men on the stick in the history of the business. You know? So true, and so that was that was that whole deal where Ron Wright was in a wheelchair. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you know, Tony and Tracy Smothers' deal was he was the Southern boy. He had the Confederate flag, and Thirty White Boy moves to New York. <laughs> and you know, all of a sudden, he's a Yankee now. He's he's not a dumb, <laughs> you know, hillbilly or whatever he was calling him. Mm-hmm. So it, eventually, Tracy Smothers gets knocked out. He's bleeding all over the place. Thirty white boy burns like the rebel flag, and the crowd is like pissed. And then they're off. There they go. Yeah. And they they had they had a feud for probably you know off and on there for a couple of years. They wound up tagging together after that. But 
Yeah, it was just classic old school feud, like good pro wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I, I and both of those both of those guys were great. That's another promotion that if people aren't familiar with, check <laughs> out Smoky Mountain because that was like one of the last holdouts. Yeah, as far as uh, old school wrestling goes, um, you know they were still trying to keep that tradition alive. I mean, they did it for as long as they could. Yeah. Uh, when you first mentioned that, so let me ask you this before I get into this. You don't have any other Tony Anthony matches, uh, feuds on there, do you? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, when, I was thinking of a couple. Okay, because when you first said that, I wasn't thinking about the, even though you said Smothers, I was thinking about the angle from Continental. Oh, yeah. But that was actually Tom Pritchard. Yeah. But when you first said that, I was thinking, oh, okay. So that that is like a, a, a huge angle at the time. Um, again, if people aren't familiar with Tony Anthony, check out that angle too with uh, dirty white girl and, um, Tom Pritchard yeah. from continental that, that was, uh, she comes out just, just a quick recap. She comes out with like a black eye is asking <laughs> Tom Pritchard to what, you know, to kind of like help her out. Yeah. And that was all like a setup. Dirty white boy comes out, beats him up, whatever. But, uh, yeah, so he acted like Dirty like, White Boy was beating up his girlfriend. And, and Tom Pritchard was going to be it was the, all white, a setup. The, the white knight to save yeah. her. And, yeah. I mean, even at that time, with all the stuff going on and, like, those promotions that that would not be – I mean, I mean, even – like, today would be shocking. Yeah. But, but even watching it then, I was kind of like, holy crap. You know, that, that, that was still, like, a little bit out there. Yeah, it or, was heat, though, because they had done oh, that before. Heat. You know? Yeah. yeah. That was great. And both of those guys, two of the best punches in wrestling. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, like definitely. especially Dirty White Boy, his were better than than Smothers, but yeah. you know, yeah, he uh, was but good too. you know, just two guys, two longtime wrestlers that uh, that don't get the credit they deserve. Yeah, it. you know, I, you know, I to me Smothers was probably better, but uh, but yeah, just uh, you know, I, I mean, he did have kind of his. You know, he did. He was part of the uh, FBI and ECW yeah. and everything. But uh, yeah, he had a nice long career. You know. Yeah, and uh, the rumor is he's like uh, one of the legit tough guys out there. Yeah, he could. He could really <laughs> train by Tojo Yamamoto there in uh, Memphis. Yeah, or Nashville, really. But right. Yeah, so. really legit tough guy. Yeah. All right, uh, my number five, and I had to put this on here because I'm sorry. The beginning of this angle was exciting. They killed it off quick, but it's the NWO versus WCW. And the early days of it was must-watch wrestling. It was the last legit heat you're going to see in <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, so you, so you got two guys coming in from WWF. Pretending like they are still working for WWF, Scott Hall and uh, Kevin Nash. And then eventually they add Hogan to the mix, like we talked about in the beginning. And then it was just boom. Just, I mean, it was already there, but then when you add Hogan yeah, that pushed and you turn the Hogan heel, then it's just crazy. I mean, just, and if you think back to that time, well, okay, I remember you, I remember you and I talking on the phone. And I think you were like saying, I think you're the one that told me, you're like, hey, WCW is going to try to compete with a live show head to head 
against Monday Night Raw, and we were both like, oh, well, you know, that's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, WCW was a mess uh, up until that point. They were going from, you know, head guy to head guy. I mean, yeah, so, it was musical um, chairs. No, yeah. No continuity at all. Right, exactly. And, you know, just, just no no vision, no long-term vision. It Corporate like or government. It. Right. Well, yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, ultimately, that's that's what was causing all the issues. But uh, but either way, I remember thinking, oh well, you know, that might last two months, and then WWE's just gonna crush them. Took a lot longer than that, but uh, (laughs) did eighty three weeks, right? (laughs) Something like that. Yeah, exactly. But so those initial, so I was working. I want to say I was working afternoon shift at the time. So they would show the replays at like midnight. Yeah. So I would like hurry home. I'd grab something to eat on the way home. I'd hurry home to watch the replays of of those shows and it was just, you know, for the time. I mean <coughs> NWO shirts. Where where else did you like I mean everybody had NWO shirts. Yeah. Uh up until that point you really didn't see <laughs> wrestling shirts at like regular stores. Yeah, really not uh, many. Yeah. You know? Um That's just, still just that whole era. Just, uh, I mean, you know, the, the the original NWO angle was great. But, again, no long-term plan. Right. They just thought that they were going to be able to ride that horse all the way into the sunset, <laughs> apparently, and, and add, you know, different factions and add, what, I don't know, 20 different people to it. And, yeah. You know, it, it just it just lost its uh, meaning. Well, what they were supposed so to do was people. split the roster. That's why they were, you know. They yeah. still had plans to NWO one show, WCW another show. Right. Which, you know, I, I think once they did, I don't know if this is fact, but I, I know that when when they did the NWO only pay-per-view and they had set it all up for their guys, stacked the deck, obviously for their guys, and you still had, so you had NWO referees and the good guys would still win matches somehow. Yeah. It was like, how how does that work? You yeah. know, if you're going to do that, just just have all them win. Well, because they, know, bury, the, they bury the else, good but... guys the whole time anyway. Right. And, so and, pay-per-view, and, you have to have the good guy win at least once, you know? <laughs> right. But but it was just like, you know, that that was that was one of the stupid things that they did. Yeah, uh, an odd way of So I think that they realized, well, yeah, we can't really have just an NWO TV show. Yeah. Just based on that. But... Uh, <laughs> So what do you think? Like maybe the first like year and a half of it, it was. I would say so. You know, I remember the giant when the giant joined the end of. I mean, that was just even though it was the same thing over and over. He would come out at the end and choke slam everybody, yeah. and there would be everybody laying in the ring and garbage in the ring. Yeah, it was just. Uh, and then and but then he so that didn't last long either though. He I think he turned uh, babyface. Like not too long after that, but I mean, he was like a huge deal as part of the NWO yeah. for a long time. So the the other guys, main guys, the original guys, probably got jealous that he was getting over. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, who knows? <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I mean, at least a year, year and a half, two years, maybe, probably not two years. But then you start throwing in <clears throat> NWO Wolfpack. And, yeah, uh, the LWO break up man. the yeah, which I liked the LWO. Yeah, but they did. I got get, an LWO T-shirt. I, I wanted, yeah, I was going to get one. I never you may have got one. that for me. I can't remember. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know why I never got one. But, yeah, the, well, that was, that was uh, they broke those guys up because they yeah. thought that it was, uh, you know, cutting into their stuff. Or it was well, getting, it was. Or it was getting you know? too popular or whatever. <laughs> but That I mean, was 
that was the last that was probably the last time that you're ever gonna see in pro wrestling like when hogan turned bad and then the you know the the next weeks and months after that few months after that people legitimately ticked off oh yeah and like throwing stuff in the ring yeah that was it yeah i mean that that was like the last hurrah for right any type of heat like that there hasn't been any since and right. nothing nationally. I mean, right. I'm sure yeah, there might exactly. be something locally or yeah. whatever. But yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was my number five. Yeah, very deserving. I didn't think of that. I didn't even think of that feud. And that was probably one because I'm like writing these down, going, "I, I bet you Mad Dog's gonna bring bring some up, and I'm gonna be like, <laughs> I should have well, I didn't think about it." <laughs> well, I mean, originally I was trying to think of just one on one people, yeah. but but that was such a huge thing at the time. And I, it was. I, I had to add that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about it. Huh. So, what was your number five? <laughs> You're gonna like this one. Number five, <clears throat> <laughs> Buddy Rose and Doug Summers with Sherry Martell versus the Midnight Rockers. Yeah, and that was in the AWA 1986. <laughs> I mean, every match that they had, and it and it wasn't just the matches. I'm not just like a match guy. You know, I like the whole the buildup and everything going into it. It was all great. Yeah. Like one match led to the next match, led into another. There was always like a little something or something pulled back. It all made sense. Like the whole feud. And it went like, I don't know, like eight months, maybe probably and maybe a year. Yeah. But they would show these, like, it was so good. Like they would show part of a match from like somewhere in Omaha that they, and this is the AWA that was on ESPN. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that you would never see anything from there, and they would have, like, they would do, like, a TV show from there, and that match would be on it, you know, and there would be, like, people all over the place. It was, like, Showboat, Las Vegas. I mean, they they had the ones that you could see. They were all great. Yeah. And, like, uh, Gennetti bleeding buckets, they all bled. And it was not just the gore thing, you know, like, bleeding, but it was, like, done so well, and it just put them in such jeopardy. Yes. And Rose and Summers were just so good. They were. And they, they led that. You could tell they were leading that. You know, they were leading where everything was going. Not yeah. that the other two didn't know what they're doing. But right. at the time, they didn't know as much as they would know later. But, no. man, just, I mean, that one of the best tag team feuds I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, see, this is one that I didn't even think about when I was putting this on there. I was, Honestly, I was thinking more about the Midnight Rockers and Bad Company. <laughs> Me too. But but I didn't I didn't even think about this one. And but you're totally right. Yeah, just every match that they had, the heat that they had, and again, I mean, almost like the Bulldog Heart Foundation thing. What everybody else was doing in AWA at the time, the, this was just, you know, these guys were probably great having, comparison. These guys were probably having the best matches. Yeah. on those cards. Because AWA, their style, you know, it was like a Midwest, upper Midwest style was a lot. It was better than the WWF style, but it was similar, yeah. you know. And yeah. then you had, all of a sudden, these guys come in and they're like flying around and right. doing all this stuff. But they, it wasn't, not that Summers and Rose were flying around, but. They, they weren't were, flying around, but they, but they were like a perfect contrast yeah. to what the Midnight Rockers were doing. I mean, just two old school guys that uh you know were kind of from the school of everything that you did that the heat but but as far as in the ring goes 
every little thing that you did counted. Yeah, you're exactly right. No matter what. Yeah. It was just like whatever little move it is, you made it count. Yeah. And that's kind of what, where those guys were coming from. So it was just like a perfect clash of styles. Yeah. That was great. I'd like to have like a, I'm sure I could just go out and find it. I probably have most of it like in my collection, but just like the, I, you know what? I have a uh, videotape of that now that I'm, that I'm talking about it. Like the, uh, bad, or, um, bad company, uh, lost my train of thought. Midnight, Midnight Rockers Rocker. and Rose and Summers. I have a, VHS tape with a bunch of that stuff on it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I ordered it from, like, High Spots or something a long time ago. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah so, like, like AWA at the time, like, uh, you know, they were still trying to push some of their, their older guys. And, and taking nothing away from, from some of them. But, you know, they'd kind of bring in older guys. Vern was always wanting to make a comeback. They're still trying to figure out a way to push Greg. Yeah. But, uh, but the tag team scene always seemed like it rose above. Yeah. Like, I mean, even, you know, take, you go from there, and, and then and you got Lawler and Dundee in there as tag team champions yeah. uh, a couple times. Um, you know, and, and, and then before that, I think it was, yeah, it had to be before that, the the, the Bad Company and, and, and Midnight Rocker feud. But, Midnight yeah. Express? Oh, right. The original Midnight oh, okay, Express? Okay, yeah, so that's what, yeah, yeah. That, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Lawler and Dundee. We're feuding with the original Midnight yeah. Express before they jumped to NWA to feud with the other Midnight Express. But, uh, but yeah, like the tag team scene in AWA, regardless of anything else that was going on there, always seemed pretty hot. Yeah, I mean, we always had, talked about that at the time, too, you know? Yeah, I mean, you had the Nasty Boys come through there. Yeah, uh, yeah they had sweet matches in there, too. Like, yeah. good feuds, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, that, that was always, like, a high point of, of their shows. Like, yeah. <laughs> a lot of times. Yeah, unless... Bachwinkle was in there. Bachwinkle or <laughs> Jam and Mitch Snow. Yeah. <laughs> well, even like Dukes and Wright, Derek Dukes and Ricky Rice, like when they put them together as a team. Yeah. Those you know, they were, were like, a good, like pretty good. Yeah. I mean, they were, and they were working with veterans too, but which made them look a little better. But they, I mean, they were, and, they, and were, it gonna, they like, were a team. You're right. And they were trying to recreate the Midnight Rockers in a sense at that point. Yeah. But, but still, yeah, those guys were a good team. JT Southern and, uh, DJ Peterson. Yeah. They were another great team. Yeah, that's right. Give them the thumbs, Mitch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that was my number five. Yeah, good pick. I didn't even think about that one. Uh, Okay, my number four. Kind of playing off my number five because the NWO, like like I said, we were saying that – you know, WCW going head to head with Raw wouldn't last. It lasted longer, but this is what kind of made it start changing the tide, and that is the Vince McMahon Stone Cold Steve Austin feud. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of Stone Cold and McMahon, honestly. Okay, and I don't know how I couldn't have, but I should have. You know, I mean, I would definitely say for me. It got me to switch from WCW because I was I was pretty much a hardcore WCW guy at that time because I would try to switch it over to WWF at yeah. the time and it just seemed like it was moving in slow motion. <laughs> you still had the Godwins as like tag team champions and stuff, and it was just like oh come on, you had the gang warfare stuff and it it was just I don't know it, it just looked like a a cluster when you would like switch it over compared yeah. to what was going on as far as the in ring ring work. 
for the most part. The undercard didn't work at yeah. WCW anyway. So when this happened, you had to watch it. Yeah, Especially guys like us who <laughs> had kind of like a love-hate relationship with Vince McMahon. And we had a radio show to do, so. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> but um, but the love-hate relationship that we have had for Vince McMahon leading up to that point, finally seeing Vince McMahon become the honestly one of the greatest heels of all time. Yeah. Uh, and actually seeing him try to wrestle. <laughs> Was I, I mean, I remember like that first match when he was the referee and the, then he ends up clothesline in Austin at the end. And it was the most awkward looking clothesline oh, ever. Oh, yeah. I'm, but, I can picture it right But now. still, just because <laughs> it was Vince finally doing that, yeah. it was like, it was like, oh, my God, this, this is like good stuff. And then, you know, and then they went on to have good matches. I mean, yeah. you know, Vince is awkward and he's definitely not a technical wizard. And it looked like he had really not picked up a whole lot. But... He was able to do. He took a good ass beat. Yeah, he took he one took with Flair too. Great you know? ass beat. Oh yeah, he did. Well, that that kind of became his signature. He took one from Bret Hart. Yeah, he took one from Flair. Yeah, he took one from a lot of guys after that. But that original cage match with Austin, yeah. when he flies off through the table, he's bleeding all over the place. <laughs> I mean, and that was the debut of uh, Big Show, also, uh, which kind of fizzled out yeah. <laughs> quickly because I think he like loses to Austin the next day on raw. But, but anyway, but regardless of that, just the, what they were able to get out of that feud. I mean, that it was just, I mean, it just started turning the tide. Yeah. Uh, Who had ever thought of it? I mean, he was a heel and McMahon was a heel in Memphis first. And that's where he like, you know, started to learn how to do it. Oh yeah, that's right. You know? Yeah. So, I, but it still went to a whole new level. Yeah, it did. Oh, yeah. I can't believe I didn't even think of it. I mean, that lasted for how many years? You know? Well, quite a few years. And then and then they they did the thing where, like, Austin joined him yeah. later, which killed him. was kind of a bomb. Didn't kill him. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but that definitely killed that angle. Yeah. And I think that could have kept going. It could have. It was almost like they shot one angle and milked it for just like the other big territories used to do. Yeah. You shoot that one oh, yeah. angle and you milk it for four or five years. And you have all the <laughs> offshoots, you know, like Undertaker was the corporate ministry or whatever, and they right. had all the acolytes, and they were all corporate and all that stuff. Right, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that was that was huge. Yeah. Huh. Um, what yeah, I, that, that, that's uh, one of, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's just, it's just one that's got to be there. Yeah. Just... It has to. The heat and... uh, On somebody's list anyway, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a good one. So what do you have for your number four? (laughs) Tully Blanchard versus Magnum TA. (laughs) And this one went for a while. You know, know, I I was looking at the Dusty and Tully Blanchard. That was on my list for a while, you know? But Magnum TA, you know, the next it in wrestling before October 86... And he got in the car yeah. wreck, but oh yeah, Tully Blanchard, one of the best heels ever. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of like a Jerry. He's right. better than Jerry Lawler as a heel, I think. Yeah. And Magnum TA, just uh, the matches that they had, because I thought of Magnum and Nikita, the best of seven, and that right. whole deal. Yeah. But the the culmination of that Tully Blanchard Magnum TA feud that I quit match in the cage at Starcade eighty five was. The best I quit match I've ever seen. One of the best cage matches too, just because it was like, yeah, you know, it was supposed to be brutal and oh, yeah. violent, and it yeah. looked, 
it looked like it was real. Yeah. They did such a, like a good job with it. Yes. Uh, it did not make my list. Uh, I had it as an honorable mention and I had <clears throat> Nikita in Magnum as an honorable mention too, but, uh, I just, I couldn't put it in my top 10. Um, just, just because, I mean, I liked it, but I was not a huge Magnum fan. Yeah. I, I mean, looking back now, I, I'm probably more of a fan of his than I was, uh, but there was just, I don't know what it was about him. I just, I was not a huge fan of his. Um, I, I can, I can see where you're coming from. I was a fan, but he wasn't like my, you know, like yeah. a top guy. Yeah. It it was just because he was like almost shoved down your throat and you kind of sort did, of, you kind of didn't like get it at the time, yeah. you know, like, like yeah. they do in WWF right. later or WWE now right. or WCW. Yeah. But it, it appeared that way. Everything was short. You never really saw him do anything. That, like that getting was, any real jeopardy. That was, know? that was part of it too. I mean, cause, cause at the time of the actual real jobber prelim matches, yeah. If he was on WCW Saturday night, you know, he'd win his match in three seconds. Yeah. And uh, so I think that probably had something to do with it. And his match against Kamala at uh, the Great American Bash, you know, that was only like a minute, 13 seconds long or something like and maybe even less. It? No, it was longer than that. Four tops. I mean, it was. I thought they just, I thought they just clipped it when they put it out on the on video. Maybe they did, but, but uh, I just remember that being like so short. Oh, maybe, maybe it was. I don't remember, but I mean, because he was doing the belly to belly, and he was, you know, well, that was after that was after the match, though. He, after, he he gave him the belly to belly after the match. They changed it. Oh, Re- yeah, rem- you're right. Remember, because because Kamala told Dusty he was not going to lose to the belly to belly, so they so it was like a DQ or something. Yeah. And then Magnum hit the belly to belly after, but yeah. then when they put it out on video, they made it look like yeah, you're Magnum right. won with the belly to yeah. belly, but it was <laughs> short anyway. It wasn't like. Right. And it was just kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. But man, like right. Magnum TA Tully Blanchard, how how much better can you be than Tully Blanchard yeah. a, as a heel in a big money? I mean, that that could have been the main event and, and it really was. I mean, that's that's you know? one of the greatest blow off matches of all time. It's yeah. one of the greatest cage matches of all time. But personally I just couldn't put it on my list only because I was not a huge Magnum fan. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I, but definitely that match and that feud it deserves to be there. Heck yeah, and, it, and it's still in infamy, you know. It is. It still lives in infamy. It is, and yeah. it's and it, and they put that match on like every, like WCW, you know, Jim Crockett Promotions tape that they ever like made. Side <laughs> you know? uh, little trivia here, I believe that was the very first Mad Dogs Matt Classic match that I showed on the Jobber Hour. Really? I think so. Huh? Yeah. That kind of sounds That's about right. To, yeah, because you know at the time. It was like, you know, obviously I was still trying to to show uh, some of the old stuff, some of the good old stuff, and I wanted to, to get across that even though ECW was doing all that stuff, there was still, yeah. I wanted to show that to just show the brutality of it and the realism of it. <clears throat> yeah, that was great. So, great yeah. stuff. All right, my number three is, uh, and, I, and I went, Around with this one, and I'll explain later. But my number three is the Midnight Express against the Fantastics. <laughs> I knew you were going to have that one on there. <laughs> when I was doing mine, I'm like, for sure, that one's on his. <laughs> uh, so this was like the version of, and I, and I like 
both versions of the Midnight Express, but I didn't appreciate the Condry version until later. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 right off the bat, appreciated or liked the Stan Lane, Bobby Eaton version of the Midnight Express. Yeah, they were great, weren't they? So, yes. Huh. But, um, so obviously the Fantastics come in to kind of take the Rock and Roll Express, express its place. Um, so, really, this version of the Midnight Express feuded more with the Fantastics than they did the Rock and Rolls. Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah, really. So, uh, I, I became a Fantastics fan watching them in UWF, and they didn't feuding with the sheep herders yeah, and that, that was, was one of the bloodiest feuds honorable to this mention day, <laughs> see i totally forgot about it until just now but that was one of the bloodiest feuds ever which is funny because the uh the the sheep herders went on to become one of the probably arguably one of the greatest comedy acts of all time yeah. in the bushwhackers in wwf yeah can you believe and, that uh, the fantastics go on to uh you know wrestle the the midnight express I mean, they were married to each other. Yeah. Uh, I will say this, not a big fan of scaffold matches, but we did see probably one of the best scaffold matches yeah. I've ever seen was live at the Great American Bash Tour, Kobo 88. And, yeah, uh, I think it was 88. It was the Fantastics against yeah. the Express. Easily the best scaffold yeah, match you're I've right. ever seen. Yeah, Yeah. But that feud, they trade the, the belt, the U.S. belts back and forth couple times isn't that something uh, they were only fighting for the u.s belt yeah you know yeah no and and probably still to this day my favorite match of all time i mean i had to think about it but but off the top of my head probably my favorite match of all time midnight express versus fantastics from clash of the champions one you remember us talking about that after it happened we're like holy shit yeah (laughs) yeah because i i just watched excuse my french (laughs) i just watched uh jim Cornette review that match watching it Live. Oh, really? So there's some good insight. If you haven't seen that, check it out. Huh. It's. Uh, I try not to listen to Cornet much anymore. <laughs> well, just all he talks about is the match. Just check it out. Cool. I will. Yeah, that would be cool. The Fantastics were. They were great. Yeah. I mean, they were. You could you could say they were every bit as good as the Midnight Express. Really? I would say so. Or the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. But they were different. Yeah. They were di- they were different enough from the Rock and Rolls. Yeah, or like the yeah, nightmares, you know, like they just had so many, like the Fantastics probably could have, they could have been, and I don't think it has as much to do with like the Rock and Roll Express as, you know, legend has it, why they didn't get like the big rub. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the personality that Ricky Martin had. They right. couldn't sell like, right. th- this isn't a knock because you're talking about like the, one of the greatest sellers one of the greatest talkers, yeah, too, really. But they they just didn't have that that bling or right. whatever it was. But, right. As far but, as in the ring went, right. Yes, but even but, but the but the other stuff. No. Yeah. Right. But you could put those guys like okay, your main event this week. They would have been. They probably would have been like. I don't know if better off, but like just working the southern promotions where they could, you could have those guys in a main event. Say we need you a main event this week. They could have done it anywhere, WWF, any of the NWA territories. We need a main event. We need you to work a mid-card. We need you to work like an opening, and they could do it. Yeah. And they could do it better than anybody, really. Yeah. Yeah, great. That was, yeah, what a feud that was. Yeah. So what's your number three? 
Number three, Jerry the King Lawler versus Nick Bockwinkle. Okay. I've I've been able to see these like go back, you know, there's like five or six matches out there. Okay. And they were just all I I don't know. I don't know anybody better than these two. I mean, like in singles, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they would have matches where every time and they would come out more like the realism of it. We were talking about Funk earlier. Like Bachwink would say, Jerry Lawler, you can't wrestle worth a lick. Mm-hmm. I'm Nick Bachwinkle. I'm the greatest wrestler on the planet. You know, mm-hmm. I've done this, I've done that. Lawler would come out and say, Well, you're right, I can't wrestle as good as you, but I can punch the crap out of you. Right. You know, so they would go off and they'd jaw and they'd have these matches and Lawler would get screwed going for the AWA world title. And they'd come back out, you know, the next time Bachwinkle's in town, say, I'm tired of you cheating. We're going to have like a no punching match and then Lawler will punch. And then they have another match. Okay. Every time Lawler, you punch me, this is the bad guy telling the good guy. Yeah. Every time you punch me, it cost you $500. And then right. Lawler would come out on TV and go, well, I figured I'd need, you know, if I threw 23 punches or whatever the number was, that would cost me 12 grand or whatever the case may be. And that's worth it to get the world title, you know? And then right. they would go out and have another match. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they were awesome. They were those those matches were just sweet. I yeah. saw one with Nick Bockwinkle as the good guy when Lawler was a heel in Memphis. I think I texted you on that, didn't I? Yeah. And yeah. Bockwinkle made like a good guy comeback. Yeah. I, I'd never seen that before. Right. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> two. I, I'm not that familiar with these matches. I know that I've seen some, but uh, yeah, just two all-time greats there. Yeah. I mean, Nick Bockwinkle definitely does not get the credit that he deserves as a heel yeah. or just as a wrestler in general. I mean, he should be, you know. He, he's, he's, depending on what day you ask me, he's definitely in my top 10. Yeah. Um, well, he's probably always in my top 10, no matter what day you ask me, now that I think about it. But he's another guy <laughs> that I didn't, I didn't appreciate till after. Um, you know, he, going back to what I was saying about AWA, he was one of those guys that I was like, why, why, why are they pushing this old guy? Yeah. Until I really kind of uh, understood it more. Yeah, you understand, later, like, how things later work. Later on, yeah. Like how the matches work. Yeah, a little bit later, yeah. Who, you know. Oh, yeah. well, definitely like his feud with Hennig. Oh, gosh. You know, then I was kind of like, oh, man, this guy's still awesome. You yeah. Know? And unfortunately, that was the tail end of his career. And the one with Zabisco, that's, that was on my oh, honorable mention. You're right. And that was I like a legit there too. long feud with the right. nunchucks and all that stuff. Yeah. That was great, man. Yeah. Both I, of those guys. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, so that was my number uh, number three. And that went from 1979 through 84. Okay. 1984. And there's a lot of promotional intrigue in there and yeah, yeah. how Bachwinkle gets there as opposed to the NWA world champion. Right. And yeah, just great stuff. Lawler winds up beating Bachwinkle finally for the world title in 88. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's when it was, right? Um, or not Bachwinkle. He beat Hennig no, he beat for Hennig. the title in right. 88. Hennig beat Bachwinkle. Yeah. With shady means. Yeah. And that was a great feud too. Yeah, that was. Man. That was. All right. We're running a little low. So, okay. uh, so I'll just get right to my number two. Um, two of my all-time favorites also. And uh, this feud just spanned the globe. It spanned just about every promotion. And the crowd was into it no matter where. And it is Bruiser Brody and Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> Honorable mention on mine. <laughs> uh, just like I said, buckets of blood spilled. Two guys... You know, most of the time you wouldn't see, like, if Abdullah got brought in somewhere, they, they pushed him as the monster heel. Yeah. And uh, that's just the way they pushed him. So Brody was kind of like his foil um, through Puerto Rico, through Japan, 
through Texas, through yeah. Canada. I mean, just whenever these guys would wrestle each other, it was just uh, it was like it the, was the an big event. feud in the area. Yeah. yeah, right. It was an attraction. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, never over any belts or anything. Just throw them out there, like, and, and like I said, going back to what I was saying, Tanaka and Awesome somewhat reminded me of that feud just because that's because uh, those two just wrestle each other yeah. for the most part. Yeah. And ECW did that a couple times. They did that with Tajiri and Super Crazy too in the beginning. It was like those matches were just always against each other. Abdullah and, and Brody, like a lot of times, that's just what it was. You just have Abdullah and Brody on your card. And, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I will say so. for that, like you had to, like every time, you know, because we got to a point where we started to be able to see a bunch of different areas, you know, and then they had the pro wrestling this week, but you would hear Abdullah's coming, you know, yeah. or Brody's coming. Right. You'd watch like world class and they'd have Abdullah versus Brody. Yeah. They might have like a couple matches there and then you'd get to see it like on some other one of the smaller promotions, maybe, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Pro wrestling great. this week was huge for that. Yeah. You know, they'd, we'd get to see him in Puerto Rico. And, yeah. And they didn't, they didn't show a whole lot from Japan, but, uh, yeah. But yeah. So anyway, that is my number two. What uh, what do you got? My number two, Rock and Roll Express versus Midnight Express. And okay. that was that was that your that that's my number one. Oh, okay. So just, yeah, because I throw that out there right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I was wondering where we were gonna butt heads on that one. <laughs> I will say this: I went back and forth with the Fantastics and Rock and Rolls, though. I'll bet you did. Because, yeah, yeah. But but ultimately, I had to go with this one because it. I mean, hell, it was going. It was still going until a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That started in mid south. They were still having good matches. Yeah, that started in 1984 in mid south. Yeah, that's crazy. Or eighty end of eighty three. Yeah, and I mean, like you know, like we talked about before, the Midnight Express with the Condry version, they got more heat than any other team that I, I can ever remember, except for like maybe like Condry and Doctor D down in like Continent or Southeastern or something. But just in those matches, they were all like so good. They were able to get the crowd into it. Like the women would, and the girls would just scream and go nuts for the Rock and Roll Express getting their butt kicked. And they headlined like so many different shows. They sold out buildings that Dusty and Flair couldn't sell out. Yeah. <laughs> and every weekend you had, like, after I remember when Crockett bought the time slot on TBS. And it was almost, I mean, it was like, I'll. I found out later it was like the same thing. They pushed like the Midnight Express on that show. They did like everything. I mean, yeah. they just boom, boom. They had singles matches, tag team matches. Nobody beat them. They just, yeah. they just destroyed everybody. Right. And those matches, they were so good. The feuds were so good. The announcers were great on it. The crowd, the yeah, crowd was just awesome. I, you know, yeah, yeah, just. I, I mean, that feud went for thirty years. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, obviously, I have that as my number one. Just uh, whenever they would have those matches, that's, you know, you knew that that was going to be, again, pretty much the best match on the show. Yeah, and you would always Easily. look forward to those matches. Exactly. And that's kind of how it I did better. my list. Like, there were some I'd be like, but I didn't really look forward to it as much as this. Okay. You know, so I, yeah. I would put this on there and leave another one off. Right. 
you know. Yeah, so it like, didn't, didn't matter how many times we'd seen them, yeah. see them against each other, because pretty much for a long time, that's who they wrestled. You <laughs> yeah. know? I mean, it wouldn't always be, you know, you wouldn't always see that uh, caliber because it was still the, the jobber era. Yeah. But 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 either way, when you should, would see those matches, it didn't matter. It, it was just... Stan uh, Lane came in, it didn't matter. Thing, you right, know? exactly. Huh. Exactly. Big Bubba... Yeah, <laughs> that, I mean, that that was another thing that just added another layer exactly. to that feud, you know? Right. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, so my number one is that. So uh, what is your number one? Um, what was your number two? Uh, I already said it. It was Brody and Abdul. Oh, yeah, okay, duh. All right, my number one, uh, Jerry the King Lawler versus Superstar Bill Dundee. Okay, I figured you would have that on there, um, and I've seen... Some of it, but uh, I really didn't see enough of it to, to put it on my list. Yeah, but. it was it was hard between uh, one, two, and three. Yeah, like place because I immediately thought Rock and Roll Express, Midnight's number one, and mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but those those matches and they they culminated like their feud. It's still going today, you know. Yeah. But they had like a series of loser leave town matches that were the best, specifically the first two, and you can go find them on the internet. They are incredible. Like two guys that just punch. I mean, they really, they work snug. Mm-hmm. You know, they beat the crap out of each other, but just phenomenal. The crowd was hot. All the interviews, you know, Lawler, the best, one of the best promo guys ever, one of the best in the ring, you know, Dundee, no slouch himself. Right. Just a great feud that started in 1977 through yeah, today. Went on for, right. Yeah. Exactly. And for my money, like I said, the best two loser leave town matches ever. Yeah were those great and, and both of them were so good and other feuds too mm-hmm. you know it's not like it was just something magical between these guys they were right they were the best yeah and that was the number one selling feud in cwa memphis history so yeah even, even bigger and so this is one that i forgot about but talking about lawler even bigger than the uh andy kaufman Jerry, oh yeah jerry lawler feud oh yeah okay yeah, because that, 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 that gets so much ink because it was a Hollywood guy in there, you right. know, like a pop culture. Yeah. It, it it was successful, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't yeah. like Lawler Fargo, Lawler Dundee. Yeah. You know. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just wanted to get that out there because that, 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 that deserves at least an honorable mention just because. Oh, yeah. Just it went it all the way to so the freaking uh, David Letterman David show. David Letterman show, right. And they thought it was real forever. It, yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I didn't see enough of the Lawler Dundee feud, but but yeah, I, I could totally see why why you have it on there. And, yeah, uh, even if you just watch the interviews and the matches, yeah. I mean that's yeah, that's enough. So again, yeah. if people aren't familiar with that, check those out. Um, so that pretty much brings us to the end. I, I did have a lot of honorable mentions, but we're not. Give me a local one. Do you have a local one? A local one? Yeah, I do not have a local one. Chris Carter and Muhammad oh, Jihad. Oh, I'm side. sorry. Okay, that's good. I do have a local one. The Sheik and Bobo Brazil. Yes. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but uh other than that um thank you Brace Beamer for making your comeback yeah <laughs> and uh <laughs> just uh it was it's, it feels good to yeah. be back it is great and, to be uh, back nice job mad dog oh fantastic no, i couldn't do it without you so, i was worried where uh, i was going to be a little nervous but <laughs> i don't know must have been the caffeine and just that's like kind of running the mouth you know it's like riding a bike yep so uh everybody as always. And thanks to uh, Rich Rollins, uh, Sean Sisk, 
that have joined uh, online. Andy Treyork was out was there for yeah. a while. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, so uh, yeah, thanks for every, everybody tuning in. Sweet, sweet um, tree. Keep checking the Butch Blood page for future shows, and uh, we will see everyone next time. And Enjoy yourself, everyone. Yeah. yeah.